You're listening to audio from One Church of High Point. If you'd like more resources or would like to donate, visit onechurchnc.net. Get the role. I would even say that maybe even church hurt has come from leadership. Maybe you know someone who's been excommunicated from the church. Maybe they have been wounded and they're not looking back. The old folks used to say, if you live long enough, hurt is going to happen. That if you live long enough, that someone that you love, that you walk and work with, that you even may call family, they may hurt you. And so today, I would like to look at two perspectives of what church hurt looks like. Two perspectives of what hurt inside the church may look like, even the hurt that you may have experienced in the past, or even in the present, even recently. And those two perspectives are this. It's a perspective from a non-believer, and then, yes, the perspective from a believer. We're going to look at hurt today in the church from the perspective of a believer and a non-believer. And I believe this. Your greatest ministry will most likely come out of your greatest hurt. I wish I can say that I made that up, but I didn't. Rick Warren had said that. I want to give him his best. But your greatest ministry will most likely come out of your greatest hurt. The ministry that we serve here at One Churches has been shaped and fashioned. It's been purposed from the pain, the passion, and the pursuit to live as one. The ministry that we have here at this church has been shaped and fashioned. It's been purposed through the pursuit to live as one body of believers, coming in with all our differences, all our, our mishaps, our hurts, and our hangups. Everything that we modeled this church after has been experienced at some shape, form, or fashion at another church. I got tired of living life with people who look like me, who talk like me. God said, there's so much more that I have for you, my son, my daughter. You can do life with somebody who does not look like you, who does not talk like you, who does not speak like you, or even live where you live. That's the desire that we have here at One Church. And even in that, there's some difficulty. The pain that I've experienced in the past through churches, the leadership regrets that I've experienced in the past through churches has shaped our ministry. People may ask, Ryan, why are you guys so family focused? Because family is our first ministry, not the church. For far too long, I have forsaken my family for the sake of ministry. So we build this church. We have modeled one church around the family. And that's why this week we're going out to love our city. And you guys have actually come out in numbers to volunteer and support. And there's still room at the table for you. And so if you have your Bible with you, let's turn to Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 24. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 24. I love the hearing of pages being turned. I tell you, I'm still old school, but even though I'm still young, amen, church. 
despite the gray that I have in my beard, but I'm, I'm still young at heart. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 24, and the word of God says this. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some of the teachers of the religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What's all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they, they couldn't do it. They weren't able to do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but the, even the evil spirit saw Jesus. <laughs> Watch that. Y'all hear that? Even the evil spirit recognize the Son of God. It threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, wreathing and foaming at the mouth. How long had this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him to the fire and to water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us. And help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked? Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Is that anyone here today? That you've been in a position, a posture where you do believe, but there's times in your walk with God, your walk with Christ, that you have unbelief. See, Mark 9, we, we have here the account of a father where he realizes that he needs someone who to help his son. See, there's a common denominator here today. We all know one some here that needs a healer. We all know someone that needs a provider. We know someone who needs Jesus. Jesus asked the father, how long has your son been dealing with this sin since birth? Let me just put it to you this way. There's some things that you and I have been dealing with since the day we were born. If you don't recognize the truth ain't in you, I'll let you fill in the blank. There's some things that you and I that we inherited since the day that we were born. We didn't ask for it. It was just given to us. It was passed down from generation to generation to generation. There are some things that you are dealing with within your family unit that you guys need to begin to ask God to reveal it to you and to take it from you. More importantly, we've been praying about it for days, weeks, months, and nothing's changed. There's some things that you've been dealing with week after week, day after day, month after month, even year after year, and things still have not changed. They're still the same. 
The father realizes that the only person that can fix my problems is Jesus. He realizes that the only person that can fix, that can heal his son is Jesus Christ. The father says, I know of a place that has a presence. I know of a place that has a provider. I know of a place that has a healer. And that person is Jesus. That's why you got up this morning, ironed your clothes, put makeup on your face, amen. Shaved your head, put cologne on, you pressed your slacks, or you came in the way that you came in because you needed something from Jesus. The Father says in verse 22, have mercy on us if you can. Come on now, does he recognize who he's talking to? He's talking to the creator. He is talking to the person who actually bent down and created you out of the dust of the ground. But he says, if you can. Jesus says, you must have me check my resume. <laughs> Do you know who I am? I've turned water into wine. I've raised the sick, healed the sick, raised the dead. I walked on water. I did all of that. Have you checked my resume lately? Better yet, have you read my word lately? Come on, church. Y'all know what I say. Dirty Bibles, dirty Christians. Dusty Bibles, dusty Christians. Some of y'all need to blow the dust off. It's our faith that connects us to our Father. It's your faith that connects you to the Father, our Creator. But even in that, sometimes there's unbelief. God knows that sometimes our faith gets faulty. God knows that sometimes our faith gets faulty. It gets weak. It gets tested. The struggles of life. The losses that we face, the temptation of sin. The father has been praying over his son a, a thousand times over. We need Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I need Jehovah Rapha, my healer. I need Jehovah Shalom, my peace. I need Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there with you. The Lord God has been praying. The father has been praying over his son week after week. And nothing's changed in Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 4. The father takes the son to where he believes Jesus is. The father takes his son where he believes Jesus is. He arrives to the mountain. And once he gets there, to his amazement, Jesus is not there. So you may be asking, where is Jesus? Jesus is at the top of Mount Hermon. He's with Peter, John, and James, and with Moses and Elijah. They are worshiping God. Let me put it to you this way. Jesus is on the mountaintop where the disciples at the mountain low. Jesus is with Peter, John, James and John. Moses shows up, and Elijah, they begin to worship God. 
The father brings his son who was sick to the disciples. And this is what we see. A non-believer grabs his son with all hope, desperate, carrying him to the disciples and saying, please, please can you heal my son? The father had an expectation, an expectation that the disciples did not meet. The father had an expectation to know that the disciple who's walked, worked, and worshiped with Jesus should be able to heal his son. And so when the father presents his son to the disciples, they're not able to do it. Right then and there, the non-believer experienced church hurt. Because the expectation of the disciples, let me put it this way. If you're a Christian, you are a disciple. And by definition, if you're a disciple, you should walk and talk. And we have all authority. He said, greater things that you are able to do than me. So the expectation of the father was that we were able to heal his son. So this is what I need to tell the church. If we're going to be the church, be the church. If not, close the door. Shut it down, pack up, and leave. If we're not going to be the church that God needs us to be, close the door. If you're not going to be the Christian that God has called you to be, get it together. The expectation of our community is that we have hymnals in a pew, pastors on staff, we have church on Sunday, testimony Tuesday, word on Wednesday, prayer on Thursday, fish fry on Friday. Come on, church. We look like a church. We act like a church. We talk like a church, but yet we're not the church. The expectation of the Father was that the disciples, the Christians, should have been able to heal the boy. And this is where his church church, his church hurt came into play. In verse 24, it says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And I believe this. He doubted Jesus because what the church was not able to do. He doubted Jesus what the disciples, Christians, weren't able to do or live out or walk out. Let me give you this point. If being hurt by the church causes you, causes you to lose faith in God, then your faith was in people and not in God. Let me say that one more time. If being hurt by the church causes you to lose faith in our creator, Emmanuel, God with us, the Imago Dei, the image of God, 
then your faith was no longer, was never, ever in God, but it was in people. Often people leave the church worse than they came in, still broken and hurting. So, of course, we see Jesus heals the boy, tells the disciples that this type of healing only comes through prayer and fasting. And let me just say this. The healing that you may want to experience on earth may not represent what you really, what God desires or what he has planned out for your life. Sometimes the healing will be received in heaven. We need to shift our lens. We need to begin to look at what God and how God operates. That's the hurt of a non-believer. So, so Pastor Ryan, what are you talking about for church hurt? I'm glad that you asked. Let's turn to books, Acts chapter 15. Let's look at Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 40. Acts is in the New Testament. I believe it's the fifth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then the book of Acts. Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 40. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark has deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas. And as he left, the believers entrusted him the Lord gracious care. This is one of the most controversial stories that we see, contentious stories that we see in the New Testament. Do you guys see what happened here? Paul is struggling with church hurt. Paul is walking in unforgiveness. In 2020 vernacular, he's still in his feelings, right? Young adults, you? He's still in his feels? Okay. All right. Y'all left me hanging back there. It's okay, third rows. The whole third row back there, fourth row coming up this way. It's all right. To understand the relationship between Paul and Mark, we have to really go back to Acts chapter 7 to really see the, the context of what the Scripture is saying in Acts chapter 15. And so as we go to Acts chapter 7, we see that here, we see the stoning of Stephen. He was the first martyr. He was the first one to have, who was killed for his belief in Jesus Christ. And so what happens? The disciples catch wind of what's going on, and then they flee to other cities out of fear of, their, of, fear of death. They go to Antioch, Antioch, and one of these cities, and other disciples flee. Church growth is exploding. So the, the disciples are moving around because of their fear of being persecuted. They move to different cities. They land in a city called Antioch, and ministry is taking place. Ministry is exploding. Church is multiplying. Growth is taking place. Believers are coming to Christ, and we see the New Testament church, the Acts 2 church is growing. Barnabas has been commissioned 
to go to ensure to see how healthy the new church is going. But because of what's taking place, he says, you know what, I need some help. So who does he call? He called his homeboy, Paul, who used to be called Saul, and said, Paul, look, can you ride out with me to go check on these churches that we have that's been growing and exploding so that way we can just make sure that they are growing healthy? Paul said, cool, let's go out. We're going to do this. Paul and Barnabas send support to Jerusalem. They saw the need that there was need to support the church in Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas are on assignment. During this ministry, they connect with John Mark, and John Mark helps them to preach and teach the gospel. So here we have Barnabas, Paul, and Mark going out and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then Acts 13 happens. In Acts chapter 13, we see that Paul and Barnabas and John, they're actually going out, they're preaching, teaching the gospel, but they encounter a sorcerer by the name of Elamus. And what happens? Of course, Paul and Barnabas and Mark, they do what they need to do because they were operating the power and authority of the Holy Spirit and by God. They beat down Elamus. Mark says, you know what? This is too much for me. I'm out. I didn't sign up for this. I wasn't ready for this level of ministry. I wasn't ready for this type of contention. I wasn't ready for this type of kickback, pushback in ministry. So Mark says, I'm done. He leaves Paul and Barnabas and goes back to where he came from. So here we have in Acts chapter 15 that we see Barnabas and Paul says, you know what? We're going to have to separate because they argue about if we should take Mark back with us. So let me, let me tell you this. Shortly after, the Holy Spirit tells Paul and Barnabas to go back to Jerusalem and see how the gospel is going. Paul did, not forget, well, Paul did not forget how Mark left them hanging in ministry in Acts chapter 7, chapter 13. So Paul gets in his feelings. He's still rehashing the church hurt from someone leaving him when he was needed the most. Do you see that? Does that make sense? I want to make sure I walk this out for you guys, trying to build it out. Paul and Barnabas argue. They split ways. Paul has not forgiven Mark. And I'll say this. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. Forgiveness is about losing count. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. True forgiveness is about losing count of what happened in the past. You know, eye for eye, two for the two, you know, all of that stuff, you know, it's about forgiving and losing count. And I, I would even say this. Forgiveness does not always mean reconciliation. We can have forgiveness. Does that mean that you will be reconciled back with that individual again? Baptist way, we, we used to say, may the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent, one from another. Amen. Amen. 
I'm going to say that again for my non-Baptist people. <laughs> so, I'm Baptist, Pentecostal, non-denomination. I'm living with everything, so I'm going to hit it all, hit it all. True forgiveness means losing count of what happened in the past. And oftentimes, forgiveness doesn't always mean that we will be reconciled with that brother or sister. And this is pretty sad. Because we see here that Paul and Mark are writers of the New Testament. They are Christians. Two Christians are fighting, and they can't reconcile. That's a kingdom loss. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He wrote more books in the New Testament than anything else. Mark, we read Mark. We're reading Mark right now. They wrote Scripture, but they weren't able to reconcile their differences so that way they can go back and do ministry. And I believe this. I believe that it's possible that they weren't even meant for this one assignment. I believe that Paul and Mark was not meant for that one particular assignment that God sent them on. How do you know that, Pastor Ryan? Well, let's look to Acts chapter 13. Acts 13 says this, verse 2 verse through verse 5. So after more fasting and praying, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Who was sent out? Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia, and then they sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God, and John Mark went with them as their assistant. Did y'all catch that? Verse 4 says this, that Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 at the very end, John Mark said, hey, let me tag along with you to do ministry. I heard a pastor say this. There's some people that God has assigned to you, and there's others that you have allowed to come into you. There's certain people that God has assigned to you for a time and a season. And then there's others that you allow to come into your life, your ministry. When I say your ministry, your, your ministry focus of who you are and what you're doing, God has called you to do, that God has not appointed for them at that particular time. As my elder Crystal has said, know your assignment. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. True forgiveness is about losing count. So we see here that we have church hurt with Christians. And then in Mark, we saw church hurt with a non-believer. I don't know where you fit along today where that sits with you, either a believer or a non-believer. But church hurt 
may come to you. So I, couldn't, I can't stand here before you and not give you a recipe to deal with church hurt. So there's three, three steps to heal from church hurt. Step number one, recognize, release, and receive. Three steps to heal from church hurt. Recognize, release, and receive. Recognize the hurt, the pain, the trauma that has been taking place. You need to identify it. You need to begin to call it out, begin to see what it is. And remember from our, our lesson from last week, to go forward, sometimes we have to go back to that place where we experience that hurt. Don't dwell there, but recognize, admit, and then move on from there. Release the offender. Walk in forgiveness. We have been called to release them. To release them of the hurt, of the pain, the torture that they have caused you. The mental stress. Colossians 3.13 says this. It says to make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. How about this? Even when you don't know that the offense has taken place, I have a scripture for you. Luke chapter 23, verse 34 says this. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was releasing the offense for those who was walking in just, just ignorance of how they crucified our Lord and Savior. This was one of Jesus Christ's last things as he was stretched out on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So when your brothers and sisters sin against you, when they are holding something against you, forgive them, for they know not what they have done. After you have recognized after you have released, lastly, receive restoration from God. God loves to give us things in exchange for our pain. In other words, there's always purpose in that pain. All things work together. The pain that you experience, that joker who walked out on your life, left you at the altar, he left your mom, your dad, your wife, whatever that case may be, whatever that joker who is, forgive him. Receive what God has for you. As our worship team make their way to the stage. Isaiah 61 and 3 says this, and it talks about the restoration that we receive. 61 verse 3 verse 4 says this, Those in Zion, I bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. That means you may have been burnt one time, but God has a, a crown for you. There's oil of joy instead of mourning. There's a garment of praise that he wants to put on you. 
Instead of of, 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 a, a spirit of despair, there's something that God has for you. There's an oak of righteousness. Verse 4 says that he will rebuild, restore, and renew. Come on, church. God will rebuild. He will restore, and he will renew. Come on, church. I need you to get up on your feet. God will rebuild. He will restore, and he will renew. There's some things that God wants to rebuild in your life. He wants some things that he wants to restore. There's some things that he wants to renew. I need you to get this. Wherever you are in your journey of your faith, hurt is a part of life. But our God, our Lord, our Savior has so much more for you. And there's some good news to this story. There's, I'm, not fun, I'm not done yet, but watch this. Don't rush reconciliation while restoring a relationship. Don't rush the reconciliation. There's a time. There's a time that God wants to do to heal you, to restore you to renew you as you're restoring that forgiveness and that relationship. And the beauty of this story is that the Apostle Paul in his latter days makes a request. Even after being hurt by Mark, watch this in 2 Timothy Timothy is a son to Apostle Paul. So a father is writing to his son in the ministry. And he says, Timothy, I beg you, I beseech you to come as soon as you can. But do this for me. Bring Mark with me. Bring Mark with you when you come. The person that we ostracized, the person that we marginalized, the person that I wrote off, he says, bring that person with me. So if you wrote somebody off today, go back and revisit it. He says this, bring Mark with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. The person that you have probably been written off for years. Go back and visit them because they could be helpful for your ministry. Church, I want you to get that. So I encourage you to stop managing your pain and manage his promises. His promises are are yes and amen. He tells us that the word that comes out of his mouth will go back and accomplish the things that he said it would do. So dig into his word. Begin to lean into his promises. Whatever, you, wherever you are in your walk with God, wherever you are in the season of your life, wherever that you may be feeling, experiencing pain, just know that God wants to restore, redeem, and renew. As we close today, there's a firm foundation that we believe that God has for us. We know it. It's truth. And that's what we want to stand on. 
Thank you for listening to audio from One Church. If you made a decision of any kind today or would like to learn more about what your next step is, visit onechurchnc.net. If you are local to our campus, plan your visit online at onechurchnc.net slash visit.